Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, the no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this will be a good one. Today we have with us Jennifer Chapman with Ambition Leadership. Welcome, Jen. Hi, thank you. I'm grateful to be here. Well, I am excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Ambition Leadership. I work with very technically task-focused leaders and managers who get promoted because they were experts at what they did and but they don't really know how to do the people side of their job. So for example, later on today, I'm meeting with someone who has been told if he doesn't get a better handle on interpersonal skills and managing conflict and collaborating more effectively, that he will not be moving further up in the organization. So those are my clients I love to work with. So what's your backstory? How'd you get into this type of coaching? I used to be overall in leadership development, designing programs. And back in 2007, I co-designed a program and my colleague brought coaching into it. I, when I heard coach, I thought football, soccer, <laughs> basketball. And I was like, what's a coach? And as I worked with these leadership coaches of the, over the course of a year, I saw how impactful it was for them to help people take what they're learning in a training class, for example, and then figure out how to take it from theory to application. That's a big jump for all of us. And over time, I went to Georgetown University's coaching program, and I started doing more and more coaching and less and less of the training and workshops because I just see so much impact from working with people individually. So how are you kind of discerning the difference between training and coaching? So when you attend a training class, you are looking to the instructor as an expert. They are going to teach you uh, facts. They're going to teach you principles. And there might be some back and forth in the sense of maybe having some conversations and asking questions, but it is primarily an instructor delivering material to a class. With coaching, uh, the foundation of coaching is believing that the person you're working with has the answers within themselves. And so my job as a coach is to work with you and help you figure out what are your next steps? What are your goals? I And I have no agenda here. So I can be objective and and hear what somebody wants to work on and then help them identify, you know, what are what are the goals that you want to set? What are is success going to look like? How are you going to know you reach those goals? And I am doing a whole lot less talking than my client is. So it's it's actually really different. And then when you're working with your clients, like especially the clients that you're dealing with that are probably off the charts, technologically uh, intelligent, and then they're struggling uh, sometimes with these softer skills. 
is it difficult for them to kind of have the humility to and vulnerability to kind of open themselves up to deal with these kind of less technical um you know things that you're kind of working with them working with them Great question. I'd say about 95, 97% of the time, my clients come to me wanting to learn how to do things differently. They're wanting a perspective change. They're wanting to know how they can be their authentic selves and still be personable and communicative and able to handle the people side of things successfully. I every once in a while I've been on a project where somebody gets assigned to be coached and in those scenarios I would say often they they don't go well because if the person being coached doesn't want it and you're what you said before about being open and vulnerable if you know in the absence of that nobody's going to change you know so it, it I do a lot of upfront screening now to see are people willing to accept feedback? Are people concerned enough about others' perceptions that they are going to take that into consideration and address those concerns? Now, um, what have you learned from dealing with folks that maybe historically had been the, um, I, I'll stereotype a little here, but the just give me my Cheetos and Red Bull and leave me alone. I know how to do this. And, uh, you know, I got this. I don't need or want kind of feedback help. I got, you know, I'm, I'm a lone wolf here and mm -hmm. now, you know, they want to be promoted. They want to grow. And now they're going to have to change in order for that to occur. Like, have you seen any kind of similarity, some threads, the, some common uh, challenges? Uh, yes. So the, the first milestone has to be acknowledging that the people skills matter and I can often get people there <laughs> with like 30 minutes of talking to me because when people are like, leave me alone and just let me do my job. Once you start moving up in an organization, you you're quickly interfacing more and more with other people. You're doing more group work. And as soon as you start having to be accountable to somebody else and actually even at a very junior level when you still have a boss to interact with then you can show somebody i show my clients that their job will be a whole lot easier if they have a positive relationship with their boss and i'd, I'd say quite a few of my clients have a challenge with how do you manage up? How do I have a good relationship with my boss? I feel micromanaged or I'm not getting enough time and attention from my boss. And so often that's a really good place to start. And then you can look at relationships with peers or customers, stakeholders. And then um, once people have direct reports, then that dynamic adds a whole different layer of interpersonal communication skills. Do they not um, kind of connect the dots that anybody who pays you is your boss? <laughs> um, you know, I think most people recognize who they are accountable to. The challenge I see in some people is that they don't care. 
some people just say, well, you know, my boss doesn't like me. That's her problem or his problem, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm just happy sitting in a corner over here doing my own thing. And honestly, if for those who want to sit in the corner and do their own thing, if you're happy being an individual contributor, then great. Like then be an individual contributor and excel at what you do, but know that you're making a conscious choice to not move up in the organization. You can't have it both ways. Now in your work, it sounds like you work more for um, kind of enterprise level firms that are, um, that you're, you're trying to help them get the most out of their people and help their people get to the next level. Is that accurate? Um, I would say half and half. So about half of my clients are in an organization that is offering coaching in an effort to either improve the culture of the workplace or they're really focused on succession planning and preparing for, you know, more baby boomers retiring and more uh, millennials in particular moving up. But then half of my clients are individuals who come to me and say, hey, you know, I just changed jobs. I'm now in a vice president position compared to where I was before, and I'm scared out of my mind, and maybe their organization doesn't have coaching, or sometimes they just want to be self-paying clients because then I'm not accountable to anybody but my client. So when a company is paying for my services, I am going to coach those clients um, of, around, we're assuming you're staying in your current job, for example, where if I have someone who's self-paying and they decide, you know, I don't know if this is a right fit for me, we can easily move into career transition coaching because I'm not worried about what the company would think about that. You're just uh, kind of doing what you recommend. You know, you're managing your boss. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> you're helping them get the outcome they desire. Yes, of course. So now, good. Oh, go no, no, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, and you know, I think a lot of people just accept the real, their perceived reality of where they are and the relationships they have. And I want my clients to feel empowered that there's a whole lot under your control. There's there are so many choices that you can make that will impact your success in your job that will impact how happy you are at work, which in turn affects how happy you are at home. So I, I get frustrated when people feel like they're stuck and I'm just gonna sit here and be in my situation and complain about it all the time. When you don't have to do that, you can choose to do something about it. Right, but I think some people just, that's part of their brand. Is they complain about things. Yes. <laughs> That's just how they view the world. Uh, now, how about some, let's give some advice to the listeners now about maybe some of the topics that you help your clients with. Uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, kind of in the kidding around way, but managing your boss. That's an important component of a person's job, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, do you have any kind of do's and don'ts on how to manage your boss? Yes. I would say one of the number one mistakes I see people make is when they are trying to get their boss on board with 
a, you know, I, I want to get promoted. I want to raise, I want to work on this project instead of the one I currently have. They put it in terms, my clients will put it in terms of how it benefits the client. And guess what? <laughs> Your boss, most bosses don't care about what's in it for you. They care about what's in it for them as the boss. So if you want to raise, then you've got to figure out how to sell it to your boss in terms of this is how it's going to benefit you boss and the organization. If you want to change projects, well, if you switch projects, how is that going to be a value add to the organization? And when you start thinking in those terms, then it helps you, first of all, discern what kinds of things could you and should you take to your boss and also, it will help you formulate some kind of a, a plan that you can present that's much more likely to get the buy-in. So kind of reframing it um, in an empathetic, empathetic way through the lens of the boss, like what's in it for the boss rather Absolutely. than what's in it for me. Yep. And then the other tip I have is, you know, a lot of people complain that they're they just can't get the time they need from their bosses. And some people are just stretched really thin, or I, I know I've talked to a lot of people this past year in particular about meetings, so many meetings. It's funny that virtual work has turned to even more meetings. And so I have leaders who are clients who show me their calendar and they're booked from eight to five in meetings. And then when are they supposed to do their hands-on work. Uh, and so when you, again, using that empathy, put yourself in the shoes of your boss and think about all the meetings that they have. And then how many people do they have under them like you who are needing attention from them? And I was in a situation like that uh, several years ago, and I I figured out how to do a 15-minute meeting with my boss. <laughs> and some people are thinking, 15 minutes, what can you do in 15 minutes? Well, let me tell you, you can do a lot. And I had a problem of my boss consistently canceling our weekly one-on-ones and it was impacting the projects I was in charge of. We were missing deadlines. We were not ready for briefings with very senior people. And while my boss empathized with the situation, she didn't have any answers about what to do about it. She was already working really crazy hours. And I said, you know what, give me 15 minutes of your time and I will be ready to just, you know, get the decisions and approvals I need from you and we'll just knock it out. She's a little skeptical, but it, it took a lot of preparation on my part and I gathered the data that I had and the decisions I needed uh, her to sign off on, and I was able to just quickly summarize the situation, the what the options were, and what my recommendation was, and then get a decision. And we just moved on through a list. And I, I don't even think we used the full fifteen minutes. It was like twelve minutes, <laughs> and she was like, "Wow, like is that all you need?" And I said, "Yep." And and it, she never canceled a meeting with me again. And so I am a big fan. And, and if you're proactive and you figure out how to be a master of a 15 minute meeting, I promise you, your boss is going to be very impressed with the 
heavy lift you're going to take, it's going to free up their time. They're going to be much more accessible to you. And that's going to also be a sign of good management skills as you look at moving up in the organization yourself. And that's a good um, a, a good point in terms of that 50-minute meeting with your boss might have taken you 45 minutes or an hour to get ready for that 15 yep. minutes. Uh, but that pre-work, you know, by making it your problem and not your boss's problem saved everybody and it probably helped you get promoted and, see, and being seen differently. Absolutely. So now, uh, why don't we work on an app that every time you do one of those Zoom meetings, there's a counter that's telling the company how many dollars they're spending with everybody sitting there in that room. They're just keeping track of all the man hours or woman hours that are just being accumulated with everybody on, you know, 100 people on the Zoom call. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know there's an app for that. Of no, course I think that, that we, we can invent that. And then oh, the, we should invent that. That, that there'd be less meetings. There, they'd be shorter and less meetings. Right? If people yes. were visually seeing a, a clock just ticking through about how many dollars we're spending here all together, a hundred of us, you know, yes. watching one person talk. Yes. I'm, yes. And I, I'm, in a recurring meeting that I often look at how many of us are in the meeting and how long things drag out. And I think a lot of people don't know how to be concise when they report out on what's going on with their projects or what questions they have. And there is definitely an art to managing meetings, leading meetings effectively, and then participating effectively in meetings. And I would say if if you can learn how to be succinct in your comments and aware of when to elevate issues in a group setting like that versus when it's more appropriate to take something offline and address it one-on-one, -on -one, that's another skill that's going to help you get promoted. So good leadership or good meeting skills are essential for moving up in an organization. That sounds like a good book, uh, you know, The Art of the 15-Minute Meeting, you know, how to do that, because a lot of people need uh, to figure that out, because like you said, so many, that it's causing so much friction and frustration with so many people that, you know, I'm at, oh, I'm at home, so I'm available, but I have stuff to do. I don't, just don't have time to go from meeting to meeting to just, you know, kind of brainstorm and just hear people talk instead of just getting stuff done. Yes. And it happens at all levels of the organization too. I am working with a client right now who showed me her calendar and at least 50% of her time is being spent in having weekly one-on-ones with her staff. And I asked her about, well, what if you were to meet less frequently, but she's got several new hires She's got a couple people who she aren't reliable enough to let them go two weeks without a touch base with her. And then I asked her about 15 minute meetings and she said, well, I, it, it's really hard for me to manage the time and be present and da, 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 da. And I said, well, you've got it backwards. You shouldn't be worried about a 15 minute meeting. You need to delegate that responsibility to your staff and, you, you know, explain, Hey, my calendar is crazy. I need to free up time to address some other things. We're now making these 
weekly, maybe every other week is a 15 minute check-in and you put the timing, the management of the clock on the person who's meeting with you and you help them to prioritize. Okay. If you only get 15 minutes with me, how do you want to use that time? And she really liked that idea because it took so much time and pressure off of her. So she's in the process of of implementing that with her staff. And I'm really excited to see how it turns out for her. But instead of feeling like you have to take on all these leadership tips yourself, the key is enlisting the support of the people around you and delegate what you can. So it's actually making your life easier, not adding one more thing to it. Right. And I guess delegation is one of those tricky things for a lot of people. They're not they've always kind of had a career of doing the stuff. So then even though they're in leadership roles are having a hard time letting go of some of the stuff. Yes. And boy, we could talk for an hour about letting go and transitioning to a a leadership role and the importance of delegation and some of the pitfalls of what gets in the way. Because I know a lot of people are afraid to delegate because then they say, well, it doesn't get done the right way or it doesn't get done in time, or, well, I'm good at delegating, but not so good with the follow-up, and delegation is critical, or you will just never get over the workload that you have. And not only is it detrimental to you and how people perceive you when things are late or not done well, but then you're also denying the people under you the opportunity to grow and learn if you're not delegating to them. Right, because ultimately what you're telling them is you don't trust them. Exactly. And then that reduces their morale and their motivation. And now you've got a bunch of employees who just check in at the beginning of the day, check out at the end, and you're not building this high-performing team that's committed to high-quality work and not letting you down. Right. You're, You're taking away the accountability because you're doing it. Yep. Well, if there's somebody out there uh, that needs help, that wants to kind of uh, work on some of these issues, it sounds like you and your team are perfect uh, for a lot of folks that are our listeners. Is there a website for your organization? Yes. It's www.ambitionleadership.com. And if you go to the homepage, you'll see a couple different offers. And one of them is a complimentary call with me to see if coaching is something that would be of interest to you. And then I can also help match you to the right coach who's got the background and the personality that would be the best fit to motivate you and help you achieve your goals. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Lee. I love what I do and I'm just on a mission to help these scientific and technological organizations become best places to work because it is possible. Yeah, it is. And and it must be frustrating for them as well. They're struggling with something they probably know deep down they're not great at and they want to grow and they want to change, but they just don't know how to get there and you help them get there. Yep. I will help you get unstuck. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.